and love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Hi, Love Savers listeners. This is Keith Davis, the proprietor of the Golden Pear Cafes. As I enter my 30th year of marriage, I encourage you to seek the Lord's guidance and wisdom for your marriage, for He is the one who can help you day by day in building a lifetime of peace, joy, fond memories, and a beautiful family. When Anne walked into the Golden Pear to apply for a job as Golden Pear's first pastry chef, I had no idea that God had brought my future wife and mother of our three children literally to my front door. But that is exactly what he did. And although we have had our challenges and ups and downs, God has richly blessed our marriage and he gets the glory for our 30 years together. So I encourage you to seek God's will and use Love Savers as a resource to improve and bless your marriage. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Today's guest authors are Gary and Mona Shriver. They wrote the book, Unfaithful. They say that statistics show that one in every four marriages is impacted by infidelity. So the odds are pretty good that you or someone you know has experienced the searing pain of marital infidelity. But adultery is not an automatic death sentence for your marriage. You can trust again, you can restore intimacy, and you can have a relationship that you will both cherish for a lifetime. Sandy talks with Gary and Mona today about their book, Unfaithful, Hope and Healing After Infidelity. Let's listen. Hi, Mona. Hi, Sandy. Let me get Gary on the phone with us. Just one moment. All right. Hi, Gary. Hi, Sandy. How are you? All right. Um, We're going to discuss your book, Unfaithful, Hope and Healing After Infidelity. And uh, H. Norman Wright, who we did a wonderful interview with him on his book on grief, said this Uh book can be a redeeming tool for broken marriages. And that is really something to have him say that. And I feel that also. Tell us why you really believe that healing is possible after the betrayal of adultery. Well, we really believe it's possible because we did it. And quite frankly, when we started the process of trying to heal our marriage, I certainly didn't believe we could do it. But I knew as a believer and for my children, I had to try. And 20 years later, we now know many, many couples that have healed. But unfortunately, most of the ones, most of the couples we're exposed to either didn't make it or um, have a rotten marriage. And so 
there's not too many of us out there who have done it that proclaim that so others can see. Right, and that also that you can have a happy marriage afterwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the yeah. whole yeah. point, right. Not That's just right. stay in a marriage and be unhappy for the rest of your life. How can you ever trust again? That's the big question, isn't it? Yeah, the number one question, actually, Sandy, because the revelation of adultery instantly removes trust. But if you're going to have that happy happy marriage, and we right. call it a healthy marriage, if you're going to have that healthy marriage, right. trust is essential. It's not optional. So rebuilding the trust takes um, a long time, and it's often the last piece. But in that process, the unfaithful person has to be willing to uh, do whatever they can to convey that they are trying to become trustworthy again. And that's a very active process. Maybe you can speak to that, Gary. Yeah, well, that's, it's, it's, that's one of the things that when you're coming through this, it's, it's a hard lesson to learn in the beginning of the uh, infidelity recovery because you want to do everything you possibly can to try to, I mean, I wanted to help Mona in any way that I possibly could. And I felt like, you know, discussing things that she might want to talk about would only hurt her more. And one of the things that I learned very early on was even though some of these details and questions and things that she was answering, it was very important that I answer those questions. So that's where I just say it. it's all about open, honest, transparent honesty and being able to help her, you know, in any way that I can. So, and as I continue to kind of peel the onion of, you know, trying to figure out what it was that left me vulnerable to, to, to the affair, um, that would be things that Mona could take as things that Gary really is trying to change here. And as she begins to see that, and as I'm being honest in all things, you know, right. she is, uh, she could start, start to trust me again. Right. And that, and like it's, it's one baby step after another. Yeah. Right. Like if you brought up to her the fact that you wanted to be accountable to her. So you would talk about accountability or maybe have someone like a pastor or men around you who are good Christian men who you could hold yourself accountable to. Or as one of the things you said, like we always hear, um, you know, uh, said about the famous, the famous... um, Oh, it's unbelievable. But he would never get into a car alone. Oh, Billy Graham. Billy yeah. Graham with yeah. another person of the opposite right. sex. Right? And of course, right. you tell a story about how someone even asked, do you want to help pick out a present for so-and-so? And you wouldn't even right. you know, go to a mall with someone of the opposite sex. And you're very yeah. careful about the hedges that you put. You know, a, a lot of people will say that about us, and they'll say, well, you know, are you just over the top here? Right. I mean, are you, are you, but, but the thing is, is we Walked, we've been blessed to be able to walk beside hundreds and hundreds of people that have recovered onto a happy and healthy marriage. And one of the things that we all hold true is we know the statistics. We know how easy it is to fall that That's way. Right. And so putting these hedges in place, putting these hedges of protection around our marriage uh, in so many different areas are, are so important you know, right. to, to, to 
remaining and a person who didn't experience in it might didn't have experience in it might just think you're paranoid but you're just really smart Mm -hmm. well yeah Um, the thing is is very few of the couples we work with nobody wakes up one day and says gee I think I'll have an affair and ruin my family and my life no I don't hear that much it happens very slowly and subtly and usually without sin initially so what we're trying to do is prevent that intimate relationship from ever starting and when I say intimate I'm not talking sexually I'm just talking about men and women sharing their hearts and lives together. Um, so we keep those male-female relationships um, safe by not cr- putting ourselves into a situation where that can begin. Yeah. One of the things that we found that I found that when I speak to other offenders, you know, people that have, you know, had affairs, they, and they look back, it's, it, the affair began long before it ever it, before it ever actually became a physical affair, and they can look back in hindsight and see those places. Oh, that was dangerous. Oh, why did I ever do that? But way back then, it didn't seem that way. The enemy is a very, very good deceiver. He's been yeah. doing this a long time, and and boy, we can be deceived so easily. That's why it's just I would rather be paranoid any day, <laughs> and because right. I've seen the carnage that happens when you're not. Right. So, and one of the yeah. things that alerted you is like when you're really looking forward to see that person. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's like right. at lunch, after, you know, at work right, or exactly. something. And that's one of the keys, that looking forward to. Right. You know, one of the things, too, that I've noticed, in, in a lot of people will ask me, they'll say, well, where is that line? Where is that line yes. that, that would be an inappropriate relationship versus a... Right. Uh, because the first place they go is, well, don't you believe that men and women can be friends? Of course they can be friends. And then they say, well, where's the line, you know? And and I think that the perfect, perfect acid test, you know, the litmus paper of this test is, are there secrets? Is there any secret with your friend that you wouldn't want your spouse to know about? If there were a video of your lunch conversation, would you want your spouse to see this or not? And if there are secrets, then that is a danger, an alarm going off, because that right there is, I believe, is the border of when you're crossing over into an emotional affair. Yeah. So when we ask you, how can you ever trust again, it seems that finally, after maybe it was over a year or so, right, or many, you just, Mona, realized almost like surprisingly that you trusted again. It's it's very small baby steps, and so the trust that you rebuild is in very small pieces. Uh-huh. Um, you make and keep promises, Amen. and the more that the unfaithful person is consistent to make and keep those promises, um, then you can begin to feel safe again. Safety is very key in rebuilding trust. I have Uh to feel safe that you're not going to harm me again. And I think the other thing that was really important to rebuilding trust is recognizing that trust is not forgiveness, nor is it reconciliation. Being able to differentiate between those three things can help put the pieces of rebuilding trust in their proper place. Uh Uh-huh. What are some of the things that facilitate healing? 
Oh, that honesty that Gary was talking about, and that is not just from the person who was unfaithful. That's also from the betrayed spouse, because if you, if you minimize what's happened to you, then the um, unfaithful spouse is going to minimize what they did. So we both have to be transparently honest with our pain, with our anger, with everything, those God-given emotions. Now, the key is doing it with respect and kindness. That's yeah, it's pretty emotional, <laughs> yeah. you know, during the process and, you know, the, in the early stages, especially, yeah. you know. But um, if, you know, I, I just be honest. Don't pretend things are okay if they're not. This will not go away. It will come back and haunt you. And it, most all of us need some really good support. And one of the key things for me, and this was later in recovery, it's almost impossible to do initially, was to be able to separate the adultery from the marriage issues. Um, that's a really hard thing to do. But initially, a betrayed spouse, it doesn't matter who says what, everything comes back to the adultery and it's their fault. So um, you have to regain that safety and that foundation for the relationship before you can ever address marriage issues. Right. You say that you have to really look into and study the roles played by mm -hmm. each of you. Right. Right. Yes. Right. But it, Nobody, the only person at fault for the adultery is the person who made the choice to be an unfaithful spouse. Right. So, um, you know, it's, I don't care how bad a wife I was, Gary had other resources that, and God had given him other outs to deal with our marriage. You can't, you can never justify an affair. No. There's no reason good enough. No, the infidelity was a unilateral choice that I made, and it wasn't like intentional like we talked about. It was a slow fade, you know, yeah. but it was something that I have to own completely. I can't, even though, you know, and I have to be careful what I say here, but even though, and, and long down the road of our recovery, you can begin to work on, like Mona had said, those issues in our in our relationship right. but in the initial stages you know i couldn't come in and say well you know if you then it right. just becomes a blame game and yes. it, you, you know that you can't do that and so those those issues like i said were years later maybe we were we were working on those but but in the initial stages it's all about safety it's about me being open and honest and transparent and trying so desperately to get behind her eyes with compassion and understanding where she is at and that's why it's so important that the, that the offended spouse really needs to be honest with the person, the offender, so they can see the carnage that lay in their, in, you know, in the wake of their behavior. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's like when, when I could see that, that this was daddy's little girl that was just broken and bleeding and, you know, I, you know that is one of the key things that, yeah. that kind of leads you to, I'm not going down this road ever again. <laughs> However, if Mona were to just shove it down and say, well, you know, I mean, I forgive you and we'll never have to talk about it again. Right. That, you know, the, you know that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So, yeah. Right. How long does it take to recover? I guess it's different for everyone, right? Yes. It is but what is an average, would you say, from your um, studies of this? Well, you know, there there's absolutely no average either. But if yeah. it, it doesn't even begin to 
start the healing process until all the information is out and you're both working together. And the time from finding out about an affair until all the information is out and you're working together can be hours, days, weeks, months, even longer. But once all that information is out and you're able to work together, um, I would say that the, the initial healing would take one to two years, but then you have to deal with the marriage issues because everybody's marriage is different and those issues come from all sorts of places. to maintain that healthy marriage, you're probably going to work on each other or yourself for the rest of your life. Right. I mean, isn't that's what our path grow up as we yeah. continue living? You know, some some people will say that it's it's the time that that cures, but in this particular case, it's 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 what you do during that time. And and you know, if you just if you're not working on it, if you're not talking about it, then you're not you're not working towards you know the the healing that's involved. You know, I think. Mono- why don't you speak to the to the severity of this of this wound? I think that okay. that would be really important. Yeah, one of the things that we do try to convey to our couples is that the revelation of infidelity is comparable to the sudden death of someone you love. So that's that's really important because sometimes betrayed spouses are set, told your your husband or wife has confessed. Now let's not look backward. Let's just move forward and right. fix this marriage. Well, you'd never say that to someone whose child died. Right. You would expect a grieving process. You yes. would even encourage them to take their time. And so um, it, it is uh, like that long process. It is not forgive and move on. And so that gives them permission to go through that grieving process. There, there's quite a bit of that that needs to happen, too. It's truly a trauma. Yeah, and, and, and can you imagine, like, some of the, we've heard, you know, some people that would recommend that, well, like he said, he, he's, he's confessed, we're moving forward, we're not talking about it again. That Mona needed, and, and so many of the people that are in that position, they need to put that picture together. They need to figure out what happened. And that, that, that comes with questions. That comes That's with right. difficult questions that yes. need to be answered, and and if and if, it, and if your counsel is saying no, we're just not going to talk about that ever again. Yeah. Then how will you ever put that picture together? That's how would right. she ever put that puzzle? And you said, so, so yeah, you said that she had to keep asking the questions. Sometimes yeah. the same questions over and over again. Over and over and over, because she just wasn't right. able to hear yeah. the answers the first time. It's just because it's so traumatic for them. They'll get to a certain stage, and they just kind of glaze over. And then we need to go back there and visit again and again. Mm-hmm. And that's where I tell you know people that are offenders, I just say, you know, if, if they need to ask that question a thousand times, with compassion, you need to be able to go there a thousand and one times. Because, you know, don't get frustrated. You know, you just need to go there with them, and they will eventually come to the point where they can say, you know, we've talked about this enough. Yep, and that's when the clouds open and the angelic (laughs) choir goes, hallelujah. No, sorry. (laughs) What is the primary message you want to give couples who find themselves dealing with adultery? We just want to convey that this is not beyond the Lord. No. You can heal. You can rebuild the trust with respect, intimacy, love, and trust, even if you never had it prior to the affair. Yeah. And it can be rebuilt if you did have it. It's not a fun process. It's not a slow. It is a slow process. There's no quick 
way to get it. But that goal is that healthy marriage. And there are lots of reasons to try. Um, I see statistically, we know that children are better off if mom and dad can heal and stay together in a healthy marriage. So there's reasons to try. Um, It's it can be done. It can You're be not done. out there alone. You know, we, we kind of lived with the lie that, that when we went into our initial thing that, that infidelity was the death sentence to a marriage yeah. because we didn't know anybody that had ever walked the path that, that, that came back. Right. And uh, we so wanted to meet another couple. Then that, that couple wasn't available for us. And that's why, you know, and when our counselor came to us two years so two years plus later and said, remember that couple that you wanted that had walked the path that could offer you hope? Well, yeah, surely we remembered. And then he said, well, are you ready to be that couple for someone else? Right. And we know that we were willing to do that. that. That was God tapping us on the shoulder that we are the body of Christ and we are to, and we weren't, we're, we're not doctors. We're not formally trained. I mean, sure, we've had a lot of experience with other couples, but it's all about Jesus with skin on. And that's what we we needed, we saw that was so beneficial for other couples. So I, I would just, I just wanted to speak to that. Because yeah, I love that expression, that. Jesus with yeah. skin on, because God yeah. hates divorce. And because yeah, these couples just do not know the extent of the devastation and the yeah. horror of it. I think some people, yeah. because today's culture just thinks that jumping from marriage and marriage is fine and there won't be any side effects or any right. great suffering, you know, until, right. you know, many of them find out uh, why God hates divorce. Well, what are yeah, some right. things a person can do if they have a friend or loved one in adultery recovery? Well, we we encourage them to support the marriage if possible, not just the individuals. Now, that's really hard if it's your little girl that's been hurt or your your little right. boy that's been hurt. But it, what you have here is a marriage, so it's not necessarily the individuals. If they're both willing to work together, then support that. Even if they don't make it, Sandy, they're going to co-parent as long as those children are alive. So you want them as healthy as possible. So what you can do oftentimes, you can, you can do the internet searching. You can help them find resources. You can get that book that you found. Um, you can help them with finances. Counseling is expensive. Child care is expensive. Offer to take care of the children. Anything you can do to facilitate the couple to work together. We've had lots of couples come to our intensives whose families have helped finance it or have watched the children. And then I think the other thing about really close family members and friends is that sometimes you're just too close to be the primary support. And understanding that that it's hard to be objective when you're that close. But you can do some things, meals, house cleaning. You know, think about the person who had a death. Those kind gestures go a long way. You know, and I'd like to just speak to the fact that if you're if you're a couple that's walking through this at this point or you know someone close to you that is, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. So get on the Internet and start searching for those resources. There's good, solid Christian resources that do that, that offer help and support. Also, too, call the local megachurches in your area. 
start asking for what counselors that they would recommend that work with couples in crisis. You don't have to say who you are. You just, you know, just right. ask. And what you'll find, what you'll find is you'll start hearing the same names over and over again from the uh -huh. different churches. And God will lead you to that one person that maybe you should call and talk to. And again, counseling is a fit, and sometimes it doesn't always fit, you know, one member, but both, because it needs, you know, both, you both need to be heard. But, but again, counseling is a step that, that, that we strongly suggest, because that's, that was instrumental in our walk. Right, and yeah, I want to ask you how, how, um, what did the counselor say as, that you can remember? How did the counseling help? I mean, you know that oh. we pray for, you know, renewal and okay. reconciliation, but how did the counselors help? Would you share that, please? I, I can give a quick one. Would you okay. like to take yeah, that? No, go ahead. I was just going to say, right at, you know, right at, at about 10 months, we were weary because you are just weary from the battle. You know, this is tough. And, 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 and the thing that will happen is you can become, start to become mm -hmm. very discouraged. Uh -huh. and, and even though you're moving forward, the counselor can be a person that, that's hearing both of you. And when you sit down and just say, oh, we're ready to just give up. You know, it's just, yes. this is, maybe this is what God said, meant by, you know, him saying, except for infidelity, you know. Uh, so we, you start to begin to start thinking that way. And that's where the counselor can say, no, 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 no. This is just a bump in the road, and he can help you through that process. So, and that's where another couple can help you as well. You know, this walk this path. And because, and, right, because the enemy, he's got you on the ropes, and he wants to take this marriage out. And when you get to that weariness stage, you start listening, you know. And that's that can be very dangerous, too. So, yeah. Remember when Mona asked you, do you think you, you know, would you ever do this again? And you, you said, I, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. How did you get through that? What did you say? Do you, you know, remember? I, I do you remember? I just got a, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very specific. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> You know, you know what's 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 it's not funny, but ironic funny is that's exactly what I just talked about. Was we were sitting in the spa and we were talking, and my and my my mantra in life was, "We're not going back." I'm always going to be honest. It was dishonesty that got me here. There's not going to be a hint of deception in any of my answers because, I mean, seriously, I could she could say, "Could you bring home a gallon of milk?" And I forget the milk. Well, you know, when I forget the milk, it ain't about the milk anymore. It's about what else have you? You know, are you? doing you know and so that that's where um i i just needed to say that that when when that came up and she said well can, and it was only in a millisecond when i said yeah. i you know I I, I I i i'm not a mind reader it's like i uh, i don't know the future kind of a thing i did not mean i was never going to do it right. but at that point mona snapped because of the weariness and she was ready to leave yeah. and we got into our counselor the next morning first thing and the counselor had us talked in off the ledge in, in 15 minutes not even Yep. Yeah. And where, I don't know where we would have been if he weren't there for us. I know. And then you said, well, if she brought it out, the counselor, I don't plan to ever do it again. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. And here I was trying to be honest. And boy, just the words get twisted. And oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's right. You really have to be so careful. We, we do not mean this condescendingly, but we encourage couples to kind of treat each other like a two-year-old make 
sure you're conveying what you mean and that they understand it because it's so easy to misinterpret it really is. that much pain. How do you suggest dealing with that anger and how should you respond to emotional outbursts that come and, um, you know, in the recovery yeah. work? Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to recognize that the anger and the pain are very real God-given emotions. You're not a bad person because you're angry, but you're going to have to find a healthy way to deal with that anger. And one of those ways is to learn and try to express the anger and what's behind it with that kindness and respect. That's a learning process. There are other tools that you can, you know... um, For me personally, I had to deal with some emotions apart from Gary that really weren't about Gary but were more about me. And there there are a lot of exercises out there that um, can be recommended. You know, we know one therapist that says uh, get one of those plastic baseball bats and (laughs) get all by yourself and beat the dickens out of the bed with the bat until you collapse. Because that that anger is so real, you have to do something with it. And you don't hurt the bed, and you don't hurt you, and nobody knows, Mm. you know. Um, So you try and find a healthy way to do that. Um, And there are various things you can do. And offended spouses need to have permission. I think from from being the offender, that I needed to, Mona needed to have permission to do that, to be angry. And and a lot of times what will happen is in that weariness stage is you'll start to, I I would start to like, I would get not necessarily angry, even though sometimes, because she could be pushing buttons where I would start to flare as well. But it was like, I had to really kind of come to the realization. I remember God just hit me over the head with the scripture that says a gentle answer turns away wrath. We thank God for his help and also for you working on this recovery process that you are so pleased that you have a healthy, happy marriage once again and that hope does exist and you are living proof. Absolutely. Oh, the Absolutely. Miracles of God and our yeah. cooperation with Him. Okay, I'll just say goodbye and God bless for now. Thank you, Sandy. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.